if you bought a physical Bible with you, uh, then do turn to Proverbs chapter 4. And uh, we're going to have our reading now, then we're going to sing another song, and then Pete's going to come and preach to us. So here's our reading. It's from the end of chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 20 of Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 20, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. And turn back to uh, Proverbs chapter 4. And uh, we're looking again. This is the second part of looking at verse 23 in particular, um, which says, above all else, guard your hearts for everything you do flows from it. So if you weren't here last week, then part one was last week. This is part two. Let me pray. Father, help us now, please. Uh, Above all else, help us to guard our hearts for everything we do flows from it. Help us, please. Give us uh, ears to hear, not just on the surface, but ears to hear right to our hearts that we may be doers of what we hear and our hearts would well up to love you. We want to be God lovers. We want to be Christ lovers. We want to be so filled with the Spirit that people will know that we love God and we love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us to be those people in a world that wants to love self. Help us to love God in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, now, last week, uh, we were looking at the whole Bible um, concept of the heart, as I've already said. And um, we were thinking about the physical heart to start with, that that's really the center of everything in our, in our physical bodies, which is obvious, but also the spiritual heart. And as it says in this verse, verse 23, for everything you do flows from the heart. We saw last week that the heart stands for the mind very often, and the affections and the wills. So we're thinking about the inner workings of us spiritually, our minds, our affections, our wills. I gave two illustrations. The first uh, illustration was from John Bunyan, and it was the Mansoul. Mansoul, he describes as a town called Mansoul. It's a walled town. In the middle of the town is Hart Castle. There are five gates that go through the wall uh, with roads that direct straight to Hart Castle. Uh, You've got um, uh, uh, ear gate and mouth gate and eye gate and nose gate and feel gate. They're gates that let things in into Hart Castle. We've got to be very careful And I was talking about setting centuries at the gates, uh, guards at the gates to guard what goes through into Hart Castle. The second illustration was uh, a heart monitor. And uh, I was talking about warning signs that heart monitors have, and lots of people have them on their watches and on their mobile phones and and so forth, heart monitors as they run to, you know, test their heartbeat and stuff. And I was uh, talking about warning signs uh, red lights and buzzers that might go off a really good heart monitor, the sort of heart monitors you get in hospital when you've got heart problems, that are telling you, hey, beware, beware, you're ready for a heart attack. You know, change, change things in your life. And uh, we're to test our hearts against the heart monitor, which is the Bible, the Word of God. How are we doing? Is our heart in beat with Christ's? When you're in love, your hearts beat together. And is our heart... Uh, in uh, in beating with Christ, or what are we letting into our hearts? They were the things we were dealing with last week. This week, I want to spend a bit more time on the good things that we should let into our heart, the things we should open our gates to that lead to Heart Castle, the things that are going to make our heart beat with Christ. That's what I want to spend time on this week, if if I can. It's not a matter, you see of just stopping bad things coming into the heart. It's more than that. 
we should be opening up our gates and our heart to good things that will fill us. It's not just clearing bad stuff from our lives and from our hearts. It's much, much more than that. We need our hearts to be the wellspring, full of spring, fresh life, water. They need to be filled. Jesus tells a very incredible little parable in Matthew chapter 12 about this, really. He talks about when a demon, when an impure spirit leaves the heart. And he says it it goes around, it leaves the heart, and it goes around uh, arid places looking for a place that it can rest. And then it comes back to the original house it's been cast out of. And he says that uh, it returns and it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. And because it's unoccupied, it says, well, I might as well reoccupy it. And it brings its mates, seven other mates, in to the heart. So it's not just a matter of emptying the heart of bad things. We need to occupy it with good things. That's what's, what's he's saying in that. The heart needs to be full, not just empty. Otherwise, we'll never live the Christian life. There's a great illustration. I have used it a few times in the past, but it's one of my favorite illustrations from Greek mythology. And uh, in Greek mythology, there's a dangerous island that you may know about called the Island of the Sirens. The sirens are half bird and and half uh, woman. And uh, they're really tempting um, because what they do is they sing this alluring, lustful song to sailors that are sailing past the island. And when sailors hear the sirens, they can't help but be drawn in their lust (laughs) towards these uh, half-bird, half-women. And they they sailed, they pilot their ship towards the sirens. And, And, of course, there are rocks that smash the ship up and the sailors drown and die. That's, the, that's what the sirens are up to, yeah? If you know a siren, stay away from them. Now, there are two famous captains that know about the island of the sirens, and they have different ways of dealing with them as they're going to sail by. They have to sail past the siren island, and they know the alluring, lustful singing of these women is going to smash and, and, and drown them, smash the ship up and, and cause the sailors to drown. So Odysseus, he has an idea... He puts wax in the ears of his sailors and he ties his sailors to the mast so that they can't go. They physically can't go. They can't hear. And they, if they did hear, if the wax fell out, they can't, they're tied to the mast. So that's one way of dealing with the sirens. But Jason of Jason and the Argonauts, and I guess most of us have heard of him, um, uh, he does something completely different. He gets the very famous lute player, like a guitar player, uh, called Orpheus. And Orpheus plays more superior music, more beautiful music, more gorgeous music. Music that takes the sailors' ears and their imagination and takes them up with a better song. So they have this greater song in their minds that they don't even listen to the entrancing lustful singing of the sirens. They sail by because their hearts are filled with better music. Now, what I'm saying is that if we're to guard our hearts, and we saw last week that we have to, and it's important to, if we're to guard our hearts, it's not just stopping stuff from our ears. If you go round, someone's coming, yeah. Uh, It's not just stopping things from our ears. It's listening to a superior song, right? Over here, over here. It's just some people coming. Let's all look at them and make them feel embarrassed. Um, uh, Okay? It's It's not just stopping things. It's listening to a superior song. And that's what I'm talking about today. So here's my first point. The heart is a wellspring of life. The heart is what brings life to every part of the body. Again, we saw that last week. Look at Proverbs, look at our verse, Proverbs 4:23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now you can interpret that 
in a, in a slightly different way. So the ESV says, from it flow the springs of life, the well springs of life. Another version says it's the, the source of life to every part of the body. It's a spring. It's fresh water. It's the wellspring. So in order for life to be in you, in all the other parts of the body, your heart needs to be full. It needs to be welling over. It needs to be a wellspring. An empty wellspring is not going to produce life. However you guard your heart, if you simply guard it, it will dry up. The heart is meant to be full. Your mind is meant to be full with fresh water, not empty. When we talk about Christian meditation, we don't do what the Buddhists do and empty their mind. That's stupid. That's dry. We fill the mind. We chew the cud. We push into the mind the very word of God and think it through so it's water to the soul. Our affections, our desires, our affections, our imaginations, they're not meant to be dry and empty. They're meant to be full so we can imagine the glory of Christ. And our hearts are full of that. Our wills are not meant to be empty where we're passive and sit and do nothing, as I'll show you in a minute. We're meant to be alive, going for it. That's our hearts, full of Christ. We talk about people who gush, don't we? Do you know the gush? I mean, there's one right in front of me. Uh, She's only got to see a baby, and you could talk to her about anything. You could say, I'd like to give you a million pounds. She wouldn't hear that. You could say, I'll even heal your eyes for you. She wouldn't hear that. She wouldn't hear because she sees, even though she's got eye difficulty, a little baby and it's gushing. She gushes. If you've got a baby, I think you know who I'm talking about. Or even a kid. She gushes. We talk about gushing people and they are wonderful. Or someone's seen a film and they're gushing about it. you know. Uh, or they've been to the restaurant. You've got to go to this restaurant. You must go to this restaurant. You you can't even book up at this restaurant. You have to stand outside for half an hour. But you must go. And they gush about whatever it is, the food and all of that sort of stuff. They're a gushing people. Jesus said this to a woman, a Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. I think it might come up. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty. He's talking about the water from a physical well. And his point is... That this world, you always have to keep drinking. As you drink the water from that well, tomorrow you'll have to drink from that well, tomorrow you'll have to drink from that well, and the next day from that well. Uh, you have to keep drinking. And he's saying that life in this world never fully satisfies. You always have to keep drinking the water from, from a physical well. Yeah? That's why people have to buy more stuff and get more stuff and be more things and change and travel and you've got your bucket list. That's, that's what he's saying there. But listen to what he says. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Welling up eternally. There's a spring in the heart. When you come to me, when you know Christ, there will be a wellspring in your heart, welling up to eternal life. Now, his definition of eternal life is to know God as Father, that that you're going to know God as Father. There's a wellspring of relationship with the living God, and he's not just a living God, he's my Father, Abba, Father. There's a wellspring coming out. Uh, Look at John again, uh, uh, Jesus uh, in John again, in chapter 7 this time. He says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And then John writes this little thing. By this he meant the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believe in him will later receive. There's going to be the Spirit in your heart. Christianity is not just a list of things you believe. It's a heart religion. 
It's God in the heart. It's the Spirit in the heart. It's Jesus in the heart by His Spirit. And you are welling up. There's life there. The same Spirit that said and spoke the world into being and created the world in your heart. Creation there in your heart. Now there are people that are so full of Jesus and so full of the Holy Spirit, you can only say they're gushing. Do you know those people? They are desperate to serve you. Sometimes you don't want to be near them and hear their advice because you feel so dirty. So you move away. But if only you would come, they would clean you. They would be like Jesus and wash your feet. They, they love to gush. They love to wash your feet. They're refreshing to be with. They're generous. Do you know those people? They're generous. My mum was like this. You know, up until the last two years of her life when, you know, she was very deteriorating, uh, you know, was, was a completely different person really, I never went home without her having something. Oh, there's something in the shed. I don't know whether you want. It's always so generous. Gushing. These people have the fruit of the Spirit because they've, they've got water in their hearts and they grow the fruit of the Spirit of love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and they have self-control. They're gushing with the Spirit. They're lovers. And there are people that are empty. Do you know them? Point them out? No, 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 don't. You need a long, 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 long rope with a tiny little bucket on the end to lower down into the well of their heart to find any water. And when you get down there and pull it up, it's fairly disgusting and smells. Time with them feels like getting lost in the desert. Never refreshing. When you leave their presence, you need a couple of litres of water and a shower. They're so dry. An empty well will not produce life, however you guard it. Empty hearts make feeble people. Have you noticed that? They're weak. They never really accomplish anything. They never grow anything. The fruit is dry and hard and bitter. It's nasty, unripe, you know? They have no mental force because there's nothing in them, in their minds. No thoughts about God, no new thoughts about God. They can give you nothing about God because they've not thought about him. No fresh meditations no joys about being in God and having the Holy Spirit within us. There's no moral power in these people. There's no service in these people. If you gave them a task to do, they'd hardly start. If you employed them, you would really wish you didn't. They make an easy job really hard and they make you know that it is a hard job when it's easy. No energy, no reliability, always resting. They never drive themselves and they never drive anyone else. Rather than wash your feet in a gushing way, they would point out how dirty and smelly they are. And they would probably walk you into the muck of gossip and negativity and apathy yourself. It's interesting. Here's Anne and myself were in a motorway. Uh, service station. I mean, they're hardly nice places. Uh, I got a seat. I did the manly thing, and I said, I'll get the seat. Yeah? Uh, you queue up and stand there for half an hour to get the coffee. Yeah? But I'll get the seat. It's all right. I'll keep that warm. So she's getting the coffee. She came back thrilled because I'd blessed her by allowing her to get the coffee. And she said, Did, oh, did you know there was a bloke in there just cleaning the floor? And he was such a delight. This was a floor cleaner in the motorway service station. She said he, he just did his job with diligence. It's a boring, rubbish job, but he did it. And he was so friendly. 
He's saying, how's your day? What are you doing today? Oh, that's nice. I've been there. And chatted away to all kinds of people. And she came back utterly refreshed by the floor cleaner. Isn't that wonderful? I don't know whether you've ever been to chicken beer in New Malden. Go. Today. It's great food. The girl there, the Korean girl there, is just a joy. It's just worth, even if you don't like chicken and beer, right, just go. She's a delight. Who's been there? Do you know the girl? She's such a delight. You would employ her for anything. If I was an employer, I'd say, job. And and for the blokes sweeping the floor. I don't care. I want to employ you because you're so positive. They give. Compare that to the group of lads that Anne and myself met that were smashing up Chessington uh, Park, uh, you know, uh, playground. They're smashing the place up. As soon as you challenge them and say, why are you smashing that up? N- level five swear words are pouring out of them. Nothing refreshing. Only horrible. Uh, even though they're only 13, they think they can beat me up. And, 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 and all it does for me is say, come on, have a go, because I want to hit you. It just produces anger. What's your heart like? Are you refreshing to be with, even though you're doing a menial task? It's such a joy just to be around you and watch you do it. I think I want that job. I'd like to work at Chicken Beer. Such a joy. to If it's that good serving chicken and beer, then I want to serve chicken and beer. If it's that bad smashing up a playground, I don't really want to do it. What's your heart like? Oh, for a heart full and deep and broad that refreshes others, that sings a song in its own heart that it spills over and gushes out to other people to stop them going to see the sirens. So how can you have a full heart? How do you have a full heart? What are you placing in the heart? Well, it's the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? The spring of life. It's being full of the Holy Spirit. Look at these verses. Look at Paul's prayer for these these people in Ephesians chapter 3. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Is Christ dwelling in your heart? And then he says, I pray that you be rooted, yeah? And established in love may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. This is fountain of eternal life that surpasses everything that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Oh, man-soul, heart-castle, open your gates to Christ. Let Christ flood you. When you see the rains pouring down and Kingston being flooded because Dave Laws hasn't done his job properly, then thank God for Dave Laws because it reminds us my heart should be flooded with Christ. May the rains come down. I'm dry. I'm weary. I don't gush. Gush me. Pour the water in. David writes in Psalm 87 verse 7, as they made music, they will sing. As they make music, they will sing. And then this is the song. All my fountains are in you. As they make music, they will sing. And what's their song? All my fountains are in you. Draw from the wellspring of Christ. Have a heart overflowing with Christ. Look at these words. In Philippians 4, I know we know these words very well, but look at it. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he adds to that. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think. There's your heart. Think about such things. Whatever you have learned and received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice and the peace of God will be with you. And that passes all understanding and that will guard your heart. You see the circular argument there? 
You want to guard your heart? You think on these glorious things on the Lord Jesus Christ and your heart's guarded. It's a circular thing. Above all else, guard your hearts for everything you do flows from it. We don't just empty our hearts of idols and sin that we were dealing with last week. We fill it. Paul says in in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. Set your hearts. And the word set means seek by inquiring. Seek by inquiring, asking. It means investigate. It means get to the bottom of the matter. You're going to dig, dig, dig and get to the bottom of the matter. It means obtaining, set your hearts. It's work. Work on your heart. Dig up the wellspring. Get Christ in. Listen to John Flavel. I'm recommending a a little book by him, uh, which I can't remember the name of, but I think it's called Keeping Your Heart. You'll see it in the the, uh, church newsletter. And it's a great little book, and I really recommend that you read it for, for your summer holidays. But he says this, God does not usually indulge lazy and negligent souls with the comfort of assurance. He's not going to assure you that you're right with him, in other words, if you're lazy and negligent. For he does not patronize sloth and carelessness. God gives assurance, but it will be in his own way. His command has united our care and comfort together. And it is a mistake to think that the beautiful child of assurance may be born without pains. Set your heart. Seek it. Inquire it. Investigate. Get to the bottom of it. Obtain it. Work hard. I'll come back to that in a little minute. That's my first point. Second point. The roads to the heart. The roads to the heart that you see here. Mouthgate. Look at it. Verse 24 of Proverbs 4, Mouthgate. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Be careful what you speak to your heart. If you're speaking and opening up your, your mouthgate to perversity and corrupt uh, talk, it will affect your heart. I hope you talk to yourself. Again, those of you who know me, uh, you've heard me say this many times. The first sign of madness is not talking to yourself. If you don't talk to yourself, you're mad. You're a loony. You must talk to yourself. You must speak not corrupt words, not perversity, but truth. Not crooked, but truth. Mouthgate. What's speaking to your heart? The trouble is we live, you've got to remember this, we live in a secular age that ignores God and hates God and it will speak all the time, preaching to you. You are preached at all the time, all the time. So what's speaking to you? Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who who writes an excellent book called Spiritual Depression, and it's a book worth reading again, another one for your summer holidays, says this, and he's talking from Psalm uh, uh, 42, where, where, the, where the David is speaking to his own soul. So, why are you downcast, my soul? He's asking the soul, what, what's up with you? And then Lloyd-Jones says this, the main trouble in this whole matter of depression is that we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. Take the thoughts that come to you the moment that you wake up in the morning. You haven't originated them. But they, are start, they start talking to you and they bring back problems of yesterday. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Now this man's treatment, and he's talking about Psalm 42. Now this man's treatment was this. Instead of allowing himself to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul, he asks. His soul had, led, uh, had been depressing him crushing him. So he stands up and says, soul, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. In other words, you speak through mouthgate, the gospel, the truth. 
Speak to your heart. Don't let it speak to you. Uh, Jesus, you can take that off. Jesus in Matthew uh, chapter 6 says, look at the birds. And the whole idea is ponder, think, talk to yourself about when you see the birds. He also says, uh, look at the flowers, ponder, think about the flowers. Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. Listen, if we're to change ourselves, we look and we speak and we allow the sermons even of nature to preach to us. Listen, what's going in through mouthgate to your heart? You preach to your heart. Look at this verse. I love this verse. In Deuteronomy chapter... Uh, oh, it's not up there. Forget it. Turn it off. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, it says this. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget. So don't forget the things your eyes have seen. He's talking to Israel and the miracles that God had done to Israel. And speak to yourself so you don't forget the miracles that God's done in your lives. Yeah? The things your eyes have seen. Or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Keep reminding yourselves of the truths of the power of God who saved you from Egypt. He's talking to Israel. Don't let them fade from your heart. Speak them into your heart again. Mouth them in. Be mouthy to your heart. And then he says this. I love this. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. So, in other words, don't forget, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count them. Think of the blessings that God has given you. Name them one by one. Keep speaking them into your heart. Count your blessings. But also then teach them to children. Have a child. Get hold of a child. Borrow a child. So, or become a Sunday school teacher. So that you can teach them to your child. So it's a great opportunity to teach them to the child. And as you teach them, you reinforce them into your mind and heart. Speak. Keep your mouth from perversity and corruption. Stop being a grumpy old person. Stop it. Stop complaining. Stop your gossip. Stop your lies, your unthankfulness. Learn to praise. Start to thank God. Sing his praises. Mouthgate, straight to the heart. Hold it, eye gate. But verse 25. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before him. Your eyes are the windows of your soul, Jesus says. If, if it lets in darkness, then you will be very dark. So what are you letting into your eyes? Is it beautiful? Is it praiseworthy? Some people walk around as if they're asleep all the time when it comes to Christ. They don't seem to see Christ anywhere. Do you know, when I first became a Christian... Do you know what the in thing to do was for young people? This, it's, almost, I mean, it's almost amazing saying this. On Saturday night, we were encouraged to go to bed early. Don't stay up late. Why? Why? Because we're going to hear the word of God on Sunday. We're going to gather together to hear the word of God. We were encouraged to get up earlier on Sunday to pray, to come to church. I mean, there are all kinds of rules, and some of them were unhelpful. We were told not to even talk to each other, actually, when you came into the church building. You sit there and ask the Lord to speak to you. There's something good in that, isn't there? If you've been up all night watching films, you'll be bleary-eyed. You're not listening to me now. You can't listen to me. It'll never affect your heart. What have you been watching late at night? that will just stop you hearing and seeing Christ. Some see nothing. They're colorblind to the beauty of Christ. They have scales over their eyes. They're dull. Others look down like dumb cattle walking along with their heads low, going to the slaughterhouse. They see nothing but the now and themselves. They don't see where their feet are treading. Open your eyes. Look at verse 25. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. 
Yeah, See where you're going. If you're on the right path, then walk it. If Jesus is the life, then live it. If Jesus is the way, then walk it with determination. If Jesus is the truth, then learn it, study it, speak it, teach it. Concentrate your gaze on the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's Paul again. Ephesians 1, it came up. Just look at these words. I keep asking that God, uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you, you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. I mean, dearie me, I can hardly read that. I mean, every word is just full. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Put your hand up here. Put your fingers out. If you've got fingers or whichever hand you might have fingers on, or toes. Here we are. Look at this is what you do. Thumb. Next slide. Thumb. Thumb. Looks up. Look up. Everybody, look up. Look up and remember how much God has done for you. Look up. Yeah? Finger. Look back. And remember that Christ's death on the cross has freed you from the penalty of sin, it should say. Yeah? Look outwards, third finger. Look outwards and remember that Jesus Christ denied himself to save you so that you could live a life of sacrificial love for others. Look outward. Look forward. Remember that Jesus' death on the cross has achieved for you the certain hope of a glorious future in heaven. Five. Look at others who have and do live in the light of what God has done for them in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. There, there's a hand. Look at those things. Look out to Christ. See, when you look at your heart, you can be discouraged. And therefore, you need to look at those things. I'm going to move on to my last point because I want to land this now. I'm going to jump some things. I don't know whether you've got the verses up. Here's some questions. You can put these questions up if they come up somewhere. I'm asking you this. Will you commit to learn to love God with all your heart? Will you commit to that? Will you commit to learn to love God with all your heart? You may not love him with all your heart. But will you commit to learn that this week, today? Look around. Remember the heavens declare the glory of God. Well, start there then. Start with what is called as, with, as general revelation, the nature that God has made. We're in a world that just says it's evolved. There is no God. It's wrong. That's a lie. That's perverse. That's corrupt. God created this world. Start with that. Have a look. People pay to go, I have, to go to see an artist that's painted a sunflower. The sunflower will sell for, if, it, if you could get hold of it, millions and millions, tens of millions of pounds. Van Gogh's sunflower. It's fantastic. Do you like Van Gogh? I do. My sunflower in my little garden is better than anything he could paint. And it was free. It was in the compost. It's beautiful. For two weeks it's been out and it's got better and it changes every day. Every day I've looked at it. Every day I've tried to praise God for it. Every day I've tried to see Christ in it. The son of righteousness who gets bigger and better and the seeds in the middle are bulging out and getting more. And one day they'll pop all over the place. And the wonderful seeds of Christ's righteousness all over the world. That's a sunflower. Look at the sunflower. Gaze at it. See the beauty of it. 
People pay to go up to London to see a gallery of some bloke who's painted a 2D version of it. And here's the 3D version of it. And it's far better. Learn to look at general, natural revelation. People go to the cinema to see a hero give his life for somebody or the world, the planet. And they come away and, oh, what a film. Oh, my. My heart was beating. Look at Christ, the son of the living God, who gave his life on an excruciating cross to take the very wrath of God upon himself, crying out, my God, my God, I've been abandoned, who's taking hell itself. And we're excited about a Marvel series. Take time. Cultivate the heart. Get some streams of water going through. Unblock the cholesterol. Unblock the stinking, festering heart. And allow. And it takes time. Ask questions. Listen. Read. Push yourself. Stop being lazy when it comes to God. Listen to the A to Zs. They're 30 minutes. Go back over the hundreds of Corona Chronicles that we did. They're 10 minutes. Get the, if you can't read, then do that. Or there's other material out there if you don't like us. Fine. Listen. Read. Push. Give it time. Meditate. So that's the first question. Will you commit to learning to love God with all your heart? Will you? Relationships take time. That's the trouble with marriages, isn't it? When people just get so used to each other, they forget each other, they, they don't give anything anymore. It's just a take thing and the couple fall apart. Is that you with God? Here's the next question. Will you commit to learn to sing God's praises? Will you? The number one song in heaven is. What's the number one song in heaven? The number one song in heaven. It's where you're going to go. The number one song in heaven, they love so much, they sing it over and over again. Chapter 4 is verse 1 of the song. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For you created all things by your will. They were created and have their being. General revelation. Praise God for the sunflower. Verse 2, the number one song in heaven. Glory to God for his creation. Verse 2, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and praise. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The number one song in heaven is all about God the Creator and God the Saviour. Sing it. Learn to sing it. Learn to praise. Be thankful. Say, some, say thank you to God for something. Learn that. Will you commit to learn? You may not be there yet. But will you commit to learning that? Here's the third question. Will you commit to learn to repent Oh, heart of mine, heart of mine so desperately wicked. Oh, heart of mine, where have you been today? Where have your thoughts wandered to, heart of mine? Oh, heart of mine, have you been disobedient? You've been vain, thinking of yourself. Have you not delighted in the fountain of life? Oh, heart of mine, are you that hard? Heart of mine, so malicious and so full of guile. Give it an inch and it'll take a mile. I'm so sorry. It was out of beat with you, Jesus. And here's the last one. Perhaps there is no heart in you. Do you have the law of God written on your heart or do you have a heart of stone? 
you're sitting here and you think, I don't know what he's talking about. Like a bit of Christianity, does me good, helps me in life. There's no heart in you. There's no gush. You're a dried up well. You've never really been saved. You've come to church, but you've never really come to Christ. Because if you'd come to Christ, there'd be water in you. If you'd come to Christ, there'd be something of the Holy Spirit in you. If you'd come to Christ, there'd be something of you wanting to praise Him, wanting to repent of your sin. If you'd come to Christ, you'd know something of the conscience. If you'd come to Christ, you'd know something of praising His name and understanding how beautiful the Lord Jesus Christ is. If you'd come to Christ, you'd want to tell others about Him, even if you can't and you're not very good at it. If you come to Christ, surely the living water will be in you, welling up to eternal life, and you have hope in you. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them a heart of stone and give them the heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. When? Will they follow his decrees and be careful to keep his when the heart of stone goes? In all that I'm saying, has God revealed to you a heart of stone? Stony heart to God. A stony heart to God. What a fool. A stony heart to the one that's created you, that loves you, that sends the Lord Jesus Christ to die for you, that's created the things in the world, that's going to bring us into a new kingdom. A stony heart. A hard heart, an unpraising heart, an unthankful heart, a selfish heart. Who are you? You're not singing the number one song in heaven. Glory to God you created the world. Glory to God for the Lamb of God. No heart? Then plead now. Plead for Him to make your heart flesh. Plead for Him to put His Spirit in you. Plead for Him to open your dull eyes to see the Lord Jesus Christ. Use your mouth, not for perverse things, but Jesus, save me. Spirit, fill me. God, enlighten me. Walk in that direction for the rest of your life. Guard your heart by filling it. Tom will lead us in prayer. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us to keep watch over and to guard our hearts. We pray that you would uh, help us to keep out uh, the things which are harmful and the things which corrupt us, the things which distract us from you and lead us away from your beauty. We pray that you would help us to keep our mouths free from perversity, to keep corrupt talk from our lips, to not gaze upon things which are harmful, to not fix our minds upon things which are displeasing to you. We pray that you'd help us to uh, keep out, to guard, to keep watch, to stop uh, sinful influences coming in. Uh, But Lord, as you've spoken to us about this morning, we pray that as well as keeping out, that we would let in the things which nourish our faith, uh, the things which point us to you. Uh, We pray that you would help us to be Uh, full of love for Jesus Christ and full of his Holy Spirit and full of a passion to serve other people. That as we look around Kingston this weekend and see uh, how it is flooded, that we would learn a spiritual lesson from that, that we would want our own hearts to be flooded with the good news of Jesus Christ, um, that we might be bursting, that we might be overflowing and flooding others uh, with the good news of Christ. Help us not to be like those deserts Uh, who might be empty, um, but are just dry and are barren and do not produce anything or give life to anyone. Uh, Help us instead to be uh, full of this living water, uh, these streams of water that flow up and out to other people. And uh, Father, we pray uh, that you would help us to make every effort 
to fill our lives with Christ. Uh, We know that the saving grace, the grace which rescues us, is also the grace which puts power and motivation and effort and struggle within us. And as we've been hearing this morning, we know that you uh, do not patronize sloth and carelessness, uh, that you do not reward laziness, um, that the gifts, the wonderful gifts of Christian assurance come through the pains of Christian struggle. And uh, so thank you for um, pulling us up short in our laziness and help us to be those who are disciplined, who make every effort to fill our lives and our minds and our hearts with Jesus, uh, that we might gain those gifts of assurance and and be a blessing to other people. Uh, Lord, as we've been hearing this morning, we don't want to be like those uh, leeches who just sap energy and joy from other people. Um, But we want to be those people who are so full of Jesus uh, that we are a blessing, uh, that we are refreshing to all who we uh, come across. And uh, so help us, Lord. uh, None of us us are uh, guiltless in this area. Uh, We are sinners. We need you. Um, But we thank you, Jesus, that you died for sinners and that there is hope in the gospel. And so please uh, fill us again with this desire to both keep out things which are harmful, and fill ourselves with the things that give life. Father, we pray for some of the uh, things in the life of the church, and we want to pray for our our sister uh, Philippa MacArthur and uh, for Rebecca, and we pray for her as she um, deals with the difficulty of her brother's uh, serious illness and and, uh, tries to keep contact with him and to minister to him. We thank you that he is in contact uh, with a gospel-believing church. We pray that you would help him in his illness, to keep looking to Jesus, trusting Jesus, filling his heart with Jesus uh, as he goes through this illness. And we pray for uh, Philippa and Rebecca, and we ask that, um, despite the difficulty of the distance, uh, that you would give them fresh hope in Jesus, and that they would keep looking to the one who has beaten death and has won an eternity for all of your people. Father, we pray for others in the church who are, who are struggling in different ways, Um, both mentally and physically. We thank you for the things that we've learned this morning and pray that all of us in our battles uh, would look to you, that we would not uh, listen to ourselves, um, but that we would say to our souls, soul, uh, wait a moment, I want to speak to you, I want to talk to you, I want to minister to you, my soul, that we would uh, talk gospel truths to ourselves in in our different difficulties. Uh, we pray for some of the events coming up and we, uh, uh, we thank you for the big weekend and uh, we ask, Lord, that that would be a great time of fellowship together, uh, of just enjoying the love that exists between us. Help us as we try to plan for that and prepare for that, um, that you give us wisdom in the details and it would be a great, a great blessing to us all. Father, we uh, think of those questions that we've been considering this morning and uh, we pray that each one of us would, would take steps this morning that we would be committed to learn to love you, that we would be committed to learn to sing your praises, that we would be committed to learn to repent, and that we would want the law of God written upon our hearts and the stony heart to be removed. And uh, Lord, we just ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.